Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with me daily throughout the fruited plains as we build the bridge to conversation right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, and I want to thank our flagship station, Red. State, the largest talk platform and the most listened to talk platform in the country for having us as part of their family. As I remind you all the time, my friends in New York City, if you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not. And the Red State Talk billboard is displayed prominently there. It is huge. And Every hour, the C.L. Bryant Show 24-7 does pop up there on the big screen in Times Square. And old C.L.'s face is looking right back at you. We're about a block away from where they drop the big ball on New Year's Eve. Hey, folks, um, I want to thank also our terrestrial stations who replay the show uh, through the day and Loving Liberty for welcoming us into their family as well. It's a great day in the USA. And it's all because of people like you. And uh, I uh, want you to sit back, relax, kick your shoes off, or, hey, get that other cup of coffee if you're at the office, and tell a friend to download free the C.L. Bryant Show app onto their phone, wherever they are, and all of the shows are archived right there. Now, folks, you have heard me say over and over uh, here in these last five years that our health care system, uh, and all of you know it, all of you know it, is absolutely broken. It's in shambles, and we need uh, some fixing of it. But there are some things about it that you don't know. And perhaps you've heard me talk about it. Rosemary Gibson has been on the show, and she's talked about the China influence in our medicine and all of that. But yet there are other dimensions to what's going on with our medicine that you know need to be absolutely privy and aware of. I have uh, two gentlemen on with me today, uh, Dr. Uh, David uh, uh, Straightly, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. David Scratchley and Dr. Scratchley. And, and Dr. Uh, Strom, uh, Joel Strom, who's on with me today, and we are going to discuss some of the things that you need to know about. I'm going to go to Joel, Joel Strom. Uh, first. And Joel, I, I want to welcome you for the very first time to the C.L. Bryant show and uh, give us a little intro as to who you are and give us uh, an idea of what your major concern is as far as the medical profession is concerned. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on your show and congrats on your five year run on radio. 
so I, it's, it's wonderful to be on your show. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm on the West Coast, uh, Los Angeles, California, which, you know, sometimes we get forgotten about in, when we get into these types of debates. But um, I'm a general dentist. I've been practicing for 40 years. Can't cannot believe that, but 40 years. And I found myself uh, over the years uh, gravitating towards wanting to do something to fix, to change problems as I saw them developing in my career. And that led me to raise my hand. I encourage all your listeners that when you're asked to volunteer, you know, in almost any, any walk of life, raise your hand. Your life will change. You'll be surprised. So I raised my hand to get involved in a political campaign for a U.S. Senate, a US senator who was running for governor of California. And he had a preventive health care program that I absolutely glommed onto. And uh, the rest, for me, is, the rest is history, as they say. I've been involved in numerous campaigns and, and, uh, and on boards and commissions and had the opportunity to learn how a doctor, a dentist, a, a pharmacist, you name it, can get more involved in politics and be much more effective in driving change. So uh, that's where I come to the show. I come to your show with that as a background where I love my profession. I'm proud of my profession, the dental care that we deliver for to many Americans, people who are phobic, special needs, all that, all that is wonderful. At some point, though, we need to get out of our offices and get on the playing field, so to speak, because uh, as I guess Rudy Giuliani coined it or the lotto motto in New York was, you got to be in it to win it. So that's kind of why I'm on the, on the, on the call to talk about my views on how doctors need to get more involved. Absolutely. David, uh, pronounce your last name again for us, Dr. David, and uh, then give us the same rundown and give us the same intro of yourself. You bet. Thank you very, very much, CL. My last name is pronounced Scratchly, which, depending on how you look at it, it's memorable, but it also is a mouthful. I'd like to greet you here from the bayous of Mississippi. I think you understand when I say bayous, it's wet, and there's a, a whole lot of stuff going on out here. But I am a researcher, and I have my doctorate in the areas of psychology and neuroscience, but I have spent the lion's share of my life working on developing and putting to market various types of drugs. I have a concern like Joel. It was wonderful to hear what Joel was just saying about volunteering and getting out there. I care. I care deeply about the fact that there are people today who cannot afford quality medication because of various events that are occurring in the pharmaceutical industry. I want to challenge this industry today as we talk on your show. I thank you for the invitation because I consider this essential to our society. We must find a solution to how we approach the issue of healthcare and do it in a way that keeps our values intact and our national security preserved. So thank you. Dr. Joel, uh, you mentioned that you were hoping more yep. uh, doctors would get uh, out of the office uh, and, of course, involve people should raise their hand and volunteer. You'd be surprised what would happen if, in fact, uh, that occurred. But have you experienced a certain timidity uh, among uh, physicians? I know among uh, the religious uh, group, the clergy that I'm a part of, uh, there is a certain timidity to become a part of anything that appears to be political. Have you noticed that? And why is that uh, the case in your profession? Yeah, and, and in your profession, it, I, it's, it, it's kind of it's similar in many ways. I mean, you're leading a congregation, and the congregations are not always, you know, they're not homogenous, right? You, you have people that look to you for, for leadership and finding God and, and, and finding the meaning in their lives. And, you know, if you delve off into political talk sometimes, you may alienate some of your folks. 
Uh, one reason why many doctors don't get involved in politics, and I would, I would put that down a little bit on the list is, in terms of uh, being timid. I think the biggest reason is, very, is just like everybody else. There's a fear factor. I mean, it's just it's obvious people who just want to live their lives and they think they can stay out of the, the fray. They're fearful of getting on the radio and talking to someone, or they're fearful of going to a rally. And today it's worse because of the partisanship. It's so so, so dramatic that uh, you know you you fear for your for your person your personal uh, your your family your your physically and emotionally and all that. But doctors, in addition to all the background I just discussed, uh, they have a lot of issues. They're the you know, maybe the smartest people amongst us in general. They go to school a long time. They come out with great debt. The word statutes and, and laws scare them because they're, they're, they're looking at those. That's attorney talk. And so all those put together make it much more difficult for a doctor to get out there. Having what? said all that, um, I, I've done it. And I've met so many doctors around the country, as you know, as you have as well. There, there are ways to get involved, and you can take baby steps to do it. When we think about it, uh, Dr. Joel, um, uh, Dr. David, when we think about that, Dr. David, uh, this question comes to mind uh, when I consider what you were saying about the incredible uh, prices of medicine for slowing progressions of disease. My wife is a cancer survivor, breast cancer survivor, and uh, her medicine is just absolutely astronomical. Now, you were saying that there is a reason why these prices have gotten out of control. If you could, for our audience, tell us uh, if there is a timeline that you can point to in our uh, journey here in America. When did these prices begin to explode? When did the American people begin to lose a touch with their own doctors? Talk to us. Absolutely. First, I want to thank God for the survival of your wife. I praise God for that. That's a beautiful story. When I look at this, I see that really if we stretch it all the way back to the early 1970s, we start to see that there were rules and regulations which were put in place, CL, that prevented what we might think of as payments or rebates or kickbacks in various industries. The problem is, starting in 1987, so a number of years back, we saw something called a safe harbor, which was a provision that was put in law which allowed people who were working as what we call pharmacy benefit managers to be able to receive, uh, if you will, rebates or other incentives for listing various drugs within the formulary that they present to the uh, patients. Maybe you have seen the CL where you go in and your doctor maybe has even written a script for a certain type of drug and you might discover that your insurance plan doesn't cover it. You might think, well, why is that, that that's happening? The bottom line is, in many cases, that's because it's not financially beneficial in terms of the rebate structure that is being received from dispensing that drug. So what happens is you get a drug that is making more money for the pharmacy benefit management group. Maybe if you look at this in the United States, $89 billion has been estimated in 2017 was rebated in terms of uh, 
pharmacy payments. And what we discover is that does not translate to lower prices for you and me, for our families, for people struggling. Insulin could cost hundreds of dollars a month, but maybe it really should cost more like 20 or 30 or $50 a month for the same prescription had this not been in place. So it's a serious, serious issue. It is a serious issue. Can I follow up on that for a second? Well, yes, certainly. Please follow up, uh, uh, Dr. Joel. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a dentist, but I'm married to a pharmacist. So I know about these issues kind of just because they're always around my house. And I think the, the brilliance of what, uh, of what the PBMs were able to set up is that it's almost impossible to explain to an average voter. Man, and, David, you did a great job of that. But, you know, when we get down to the voting booth and people are out there, you know, uh, pulling the levers, pressing whatever they're doing in each state, um, you know, they, you can't explain that to the average voter. It's very difficult. And so it's easier to scapegoat, you know, big pharma or just this, they find scapegoats and the average voter can't understand what, what you what you just explained so easily. But in, in campaigns and all, they've got to be done in 10-second snippets or visuals. It's very hard to make change with the PBM industry. But in truth, they they contribute quite a bit. I mean, 30 to 40 percent of drug costs, I believe, are attributed to PBMs. Now, uh, Dr. Joel, Dr. Joel, no, no, uh, Dr. Joel, I see that uh, you had uh, prepared a presentation for an organization that uh, acronymed PUT, uh, Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. Give the audience an idea of what is not or what was not transparent and currently what is not transparent as far as pharmaceuticals are concerned when they are engaged in purchasing or uh, their medicines. Talk to us. Well, I, I would think the average voter understands that if you want to go buy a computer, you know, and you like Apple computer, you get one kind of directly from Apple. You go to a store that Apple has out there and you get your computer. Or if you want to get a, a, a car and get a Lincoln, uh, you know, you go to the Lincoln dealership. And uh, if, you, if you had to have um, insurance to help you buy a car and a car broker and then a paint broker and a window, everybody in the middle of all that, it makes sense that, that you, your prices would go up. And so many average people say, well, why can't I just buy my drug from from Pfizer or Merck or whatever company they want to buy it from. And it, it's a simplistic way of looking at it, but um, because we do have to have some, some, some help along the way. But uh, I think most voters, they, they, they think they, they could go that way. Hey, why don't we just buy the drug directly? And they would understand that there's, there's, there's no middle, there's no middleman there. Uh, the, the conference talks so much about the middlemen or the, the people, the entities, the corporations that grab a bit of every, every dollar they can that, between the, the pharmaceutical manufacturer and the patient, and uh, that it would include the hospitals and everybody else in the, in the supply chain. So the more people get in the middle of a transaction, the, the, the more it's going to cost. It just never – it makes sense to people that they would get that, um, and that's what's going on in the, med, in the drug industry. Dr. David, when we he, listen to the words that you used, um, kickback came across the airwaves. And any of us who are over uh, 45, when we think about some entity receiving a kickback, we think about something that may very well be related to uh, racketeering. And 
And uh, is that uh, an accurate description of what may be occurring as far as the middleman is concerned in America? In this segment, I have about three minutes. So you go ahead and take that three minutes and begin to let's start this discussion on that. Uh, Dr. David. Absolutely. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to tell you that I have to say the shoe fits. You got to wear it. And what I would say is that in looking at the entire industry, and I'm very familiar with this, kickback is the word I used, and kickback is the word I mean. Is that racketeering? It's hard to say. I mean, it's been something that statutorily has been allowed. Do I see it as unethical? Do I see it as as something that is corrupting of the people who come to get medications? I absolutely do. And I will say, speaking, if you will, uh, anonymously for others I have visited with, racketeering is the word that is often passed around in terms of this particular practice. Do I think this practice needs to stop? Absolutely. Do I think that the Trump administration took a strong stand against it this year? I do. Do I think that the gators in the swamp that they tried to drain were bigger than they maybe expected? I do. When I look at this, I think this whole issue is essential if we are looking for economic health in this nation. We're being called to take on the issues of China today and other things. People are looking and saying, how does that impact my pocketbook? Well, we can give back today by stopping this kickback scheme and stopping this racketeering, and it's going to require us to stand up and be accounted. And so when I look at that, I have to tell you, I meant what I said, Seattle. Folks, uh, as you hear me say all the time to you, we, the American people, are still in charge of this country. However, there are things that do occur uh, that do involve our interests when we're uh, when we are ignorant and uninformed and so now you have an opportunity to know better and you have an opportunity to take action based up on what you are learning and what you now are beginning to know about the high cost of your medicines and pharmaceuticals i'm on with doctors uh joel strom and david scratchley who I will return with after uh, this short break. You're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show, coast to coast and border to border right here over Red State Talk Radio. And hey, friends, if you don't get both hours of the show, you be certain to download the free C.L. Bryant Show app. Follow me on Twitter at Rev C.L. Bryant. And um, of course, all the shows are archived there on the app the cl bryant show and of course go to the website the cl bryant show.com when you know better you better do better at least you should you like to complain about the high cost of medicine you like to complain that America's uh, health care system needs fixing. Well, all of this begins at your kitchen table. Don't forget it. We'll be back with Dr. David, Dr. Joel, when the C.L. Bryant Show returns.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you coast to coast, border to border, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known. And it's all because of the many thousands of you who come along and listen to the show daily. Thank you so much for making our show as popular as it has become. My special guests today are two doctors, Dr. Joel Strom and Dr. David Scratchley. They're on with me. And hey, folks, let me say this to you. Uh, You can't be charged for what you don't know uh, as far as uh, us being ignorant as how our medical price, our pharmaceutical prices uh, get so out of hand. This show is dedicated, this hour is dedicated to making you more informed so that you may act. With that in mind, uh, Dr. Joel, uh, would you uh, share with us uh, your, you you talk a lot about leadership, leadership from physicians. Uh, Give us uh, more uh, in-depth analysis of what you mean when you talk about uh, leadership from the standpoint of the caregiver? Joel, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you now. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Do- yeah, Dr. Joel, okay. can, can you hear me? Great. Um, yeah, sure. I can hear you. Are you there? The question was, tell us Hello? what you mean when you talk about uh, leadership from the caregiver. What, what, is, what is that? Uh, what are you meaning uh, when you talk about that there must be leadership from those who are in your position? Well, we've had our country's been blessed with many uh, wonderful leaders, some of whom have been doctors. Our founding fathers, Benjamin Rush and Joseph Warren, uh, left left their practices to to fight in the revolution. I'm not asking doctors to go out there and fight with guns and, you know, all that. I'm asking them to get out of their offices and begin to to become part of the national debate in a productive way uh, on behalf of their patients and perhaps fight the British healthcare system, so to speak. So uh, doctors are the people that we trust, nurses, doctors, pharmacists. We trust them as long as their message is being taken in a nonpartisan way or a pro-patient way. And I believe that the best thing doctors uh, and other healthcare professionals can do is to get themselves involved in, in these issues and go out and educate the public so that the public, as you said earlier, 
from these to be so that we can make informed decisions when it comes to voting. Because if you don't, if you don't vote in the people that share the view that the doctor and patient are at the center of any org chart, any org chart, then then if you don't vote those types of people in, you're not going to get the policy of getting of having a doctor. As well. So um, I, leadership means getting out there, getting out of your office and contributing to the, the, the public debate. Joel, you fade on me every once in a while, but we, we heard we got the gist of really? your conversation, uh, but that's OK. I'm going to uh, Dr. David now. He mentioned uh, legislators and we've talked about the medical practitioner and we've talked about even the clergy as far as that's concerned. Dr. David uh, Scratchley, tell us now about uh, timid politicians. Have you run into them? Are there some politicians who understand that we have this problem that both of you are describing, yet they will not help or they will not sign on to lowering the prices of drugs. Is there a reason behind that? Talk to us about uh, those uh, various facets. Absolutely. Yeah, foremost for me, and and sounding off with what Joel said, which I think is very, very powerful about doctors being educators. I think we need to also say to the listeners today that it is essential in my mind, not just for price, but for quality, for the availability of drugs, uh, that we need to, to remain well and healthy, that we think of this period of time very much like the period of time that might have been thought of in World War II, where people were asked to make some sacrifices in order to bring things around to a proper way of functioning. I am a firm believer that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think we need to stand and talk truth to power in this particular issue. We have people who are profiteering in the billions, hundreds of billions of dollars and delivering products that often are made in other parts of the world where good clinical practice in assembling the drug, where possibly ingredients and other things are not available, where we see that, that various hospitals may go through drug shortages simply because the contracts that have existed between the, the purchasing agents within the hospital and the pharmaceuticals uh, do not allow for other drugs to come through. These are unacceptable things in our society, and they're things that we need to stand up to. Now, I look at Alex Azar, who is the head of Health and Human Services, and I admire his pushback. It failed. The Trump administration didn't have a success in pushing back against some of the rebate programs, but they tried, and they need to get the credit they deserve for trying. We see that that there is a whole myriad of activity at the level of, of Congress, whether it's the Senate or the House of Representatives, where people are being lobbied and are receiving a great deal of pressure not to do the people's well. I think this is the time where we need to become clear about this message, CL, which is that we do not need to accept this type of price gouging. We do not need to accept uh, drugs and ingredients that are made in other parts of the world where our intellectual property was stolen to make them. We do not need to accept these answers in our day-to-day health care, and that requires each of us to become active and make a sacrifice and be heard. 
Dr. Uh, Joel, if in fact uh, the practices that are now going on as far as delivering pharmaceuticals to Americans does not change, what type of crisis, if any, if, are we facing here in the next uh, few years? Or are we currently facing a crisis? Talk to us from your uh, point of view. Sure, there's, a, there's got so many things I could I could think of offhand. You mentioned, can you hear me better now? Yes, much better. Yeah, great, great. I moved a little bit. Um, yeah, you mentioned China earlier. Um, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm sure David would know this. China manufactures oh so many of the the the, uh, the building blocks of our drugs, and that's a major major problem that we don't nobody really understands that no, the voters don't understand. But, you know, when I get a patient coming in and they, they can't obtain their psoriatic arthritis medication or the copayment is so high they can't afford it and they're taking Advil over the counter instead of the medication they should have, what happens there is the patients are, are, the patients are getting hurt the most and the doctors are sitting there watching and they're saying, oh, my God, I, I feel terrible. I'm supposed to help this person feel better, but the, the, the tools in my toolkit, I don't have those tools anymore. And so... I believe patients will not have as, as they will not be able to obtain the drugs they need. Or will they be safe if they're manufactured in China and other countries? And um, and and the doctors will have to have to sit there and be part of this equation, so to speak, when other people outside are being the hammer, hammering the patient and the, and the doctor in their decisions. So we really need to, as David said earlier, it, it's a crisis that most people don't understand. And uh, they're going to have fewer choices and less drugs, and they're going to cost more. And it's going to be a major problem. I mean, it is already. I've had on with me Rosemary Gibson, the author of the book China Rx. And one of the things that I came away from in uh, the couple of interviews that I've done with her is that we cannot trust uh, the Chinese as far as the drugs are concerned. We simply can't uh, for various reasons, uh, easy to figure out. Uh, and also, this is the question that I have for you, Dr. Uh, David, is this. Then um, if, in fact, uh, we fail, if the Chinese fail to to deliver the drugs that they are delivering to us now what type of crisis does that present to us as americans is that a part of the equation that makes this so critical and then a follow-up uh, to that a part uh, part b to to that uh, question is this when and and uh, why does and why have the patient in america lost contact with his his doctor. Does the doctor work for the patient anymore, or is that an illusion? Okay. CL, first and foremost, I am grateful to answer this question. Growing up, my father worked and, and used to remind me that steel was the backbone of this nation and that we can't lose our steel industry. Now, I'm going to say that pharma is the new steel, that when we look ahead right now, in the mid-1990s, we were producing most of the, the pharmaceuticals that the world used. That has shifted to China today. And, and when we look at this, it's shocking. I want to say that I have reviewed the material myself, and what we discovered is that many of the uh, applications for new drugs, in fact, in 2015, 1,600 new drug applications were submitted by the Chinese for approval. 90% were withdrawn from fraudulent 
or inauthentic data. I myself have seen the difference in working in this field in 2010 and working with the Chinese in, in a way in which they were using uh, off-patent drugs, drugs that were no longer protected by patents. Uh, compare that to 2017 where I was asked to translate a manuscript for publication and I was shocked. I discovered that they not only were competitive with our top developmental approaches to the production of drugs, they were biting at our heels because they have invested hundreds of billions of dollars in our intellectual property in their production. So what it comes down to is, is there a risk? As Rosemary Gibson has pointed out in a brilliant book, China Rx, there is a huge risk. Some of the antibiotics we may need may not be able to be produced in, in time in America if there was a crisis. We may be dependent on uh, types of components that are contaminated or other problems. We need to step up to this issue and we need to do it today. One further thing is to realize bringing those jobs back. It may be hard to go build a steel mill or other things today, but we can build pharmaceutical manufacturing here in this nation if that is our will to do it. We can bring this back. I'm going to defer to Dr. Joel around the doctor-patient relationship as it relates to this, but I will tell you I think the time now is to ring the alarm bell. We must step up to the threat posed by contaminated and otherwise jeopardized uh, drugs that have been developed without the international standards of clinical practice. Okay, then, Dr. Joel, uh, speak to us about what's important from your standpoint, the most important thing for us to understand from your standpoint about this critical situation that we are discussing here today. Sure. And, and David, that was a phenomenal expla explanation. I should have punted to you earlier. So next time I'll do that. But as far as being a doctor in, in, a, in a private practice, I don't care if it's medicine, cardiology, dentistry, the, the small pharmacy, uh, the beauty of the American healthcare system or the, uh, the, American, the American doctors, American doctors, was that we could sit there and look at the, into the eyes of our patient. When you sit there and talk to someone about their medical history and you look at their eyes and their body language, that experience cannot be replicated by a computer. It cannot be replicated by the phone. Maybe by, uh, you know, a, a FaceTime or something like that. But, but in America today, doctors are spending more and more time uh, satisfying the regulators who used to almost always be just mostly in the state, but now it's become federalized. And if you look at some of the numbers, you'll, you'll find that the average doctor now writes 700 words per patient uh, after each visit, average. So some write a lot more, some less. But if you take 15 patients, you do the multiplication there, you have to write a lot of words. You have to write 10,000 words. Could you imagine if you're a doctor who wants to diagnose and help people, you've got to sit at the computer for two hours. It's become a morass of rules and regulations for the doctor. And when the patient doesn't have that ability to look into the doctor's eyes and the doctor looks back in the patient's eyes and make the choice of their health care, um, I use the word choice, and I think that's one thing we need to use that word more. Um, because the average person understands that. It's not threatening, and choice is important. So I'll, I'll finish up by saying that the patient only gets the best care or, or mostly gets the best care when that doctor or that pharmacist is looking them in the eye, asking questions, and watching for their reaction, and they have a, a normal human 
inner interface, which our system now is destroying. Folks, I am old enough to remember when um, a doctor would come to the house. My father and and mother, uh, they did well uh, in life, started off very humble in life, but they did well in life. And a doctor would actually come to our home. And, uh, of course, when we went to the clinic, if I had to go to the clinic or my mom, dad had to go to the clinic, uh, the doctor knew them. They they knew them. They were just not uh, a number or what have you. And, uh, friends, I am saying, even though medicine advanced, may not have been what they are today. I believe the relationship, in fact, there's no question that the relationship was absolutely better. And and, and, and tell you the truth, that relationship alone was worth its weight in gold when it, it came to uh, the, the well-being, the mental well-being of a patient trusting a doctor that they knew. And let's make no mistake about it, folks. Among our society, in our society, and in fact, in every society that I have been uh, able to visit around the the world and around this country. Uh, Doctors, let's face it, are blessed, I believe, by God with the ability to practice and heal. And that is a true blessing. And so uh, people have special relationships with their dentists and their doctors and and, and, uh, medical practitioners. Our nurses, there was a nurse that uh, I knew growing up for for years. Uh, In fact, I think I went to her funeral. And, and and that's just how close the relationship was between doctor and patient. Now, we've talked about the doctors. We've talked about the middlemen. We've talked about the politicians. And we have talked about the ph- big pharma. I want to talk to Dr. David uh, 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 Scratchley and Dr. Joel Strom when we return about the insurance companies. I'll pitch that to you first after the break, uh, Dr. Uh, Scratchly, when we return from the break, you are listening to the C.L. Bryant show. And hey, folks, the reason why Red State is the most listened to platform in the country is because this conversation that you are hearing right now, you will not hear on Fox. And of course, I'm on Fox all the time and I'm not throwing rocks at them. I'm just saying that there are some things that they don't they don't talk about. There are some things when they bring us on CNN, they don't talk about. There are things that other radio programs do not talk about, but you hear them here. So be certain to download the C.L. Bryant Show app, download the Red State app, and, of course, follow us on Twitter at Rev C.L. Bryant. My special guests are two doctors, Dr. Uh, David Strom and Do- Dr. David Scratchley and Dr. Joel Strom are my special guest here today. And we're going to return with them and uh, as we build a bridge to conversation right here throughout our great nation. The greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. And I'm saying to you, once you know better, once you have been informed, once you understand that there is a huge game being run on the American people, there is, in fact, a, a, a program that closely resembles racketeering going on Uh, in this country when we talk about delivering medicines to the American people. We'll talk more when I come back. You thought I was worth saving 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always in the heaven hand. And for the flag I stand. That's D-Rock's latest release. I am an American. And I was blessed to lend my voice to the opening of his newest hit song, I Am an American. You can get it wherever music is sold, D-Rock Country. Uh, I am an American. And we're, uh, my special guest here today, and it has been absolutely informative, intriguing, and, of course, something that we're just not presenting to you to be intriguing or informing. We're, we're presenting this to you, yes, so you can take the information and hopefully have a fire built under you so that you will do something about it when you get the opportunity. And the opportunities are, in fact, uh, being formulated now with various legislators and uh, various bills that are being written and and opportunities uh, being presented uh, to legislators to help the American people in these times of crisis where we are facing a uh, health care crisis in this country. Now, we've talked about uh, the uh, the engagement of politicians. We've talked about big pharma. We've talked about middlemen and all of that. Uh, gentlemen, uh, the, the, the companies that many of our people uh, definitely want to uh, take on, and many times they blame them, and that's the insurance companies. Uh, Dr. David, I'm going to go to you on this one uh, first. Tell us exactly what then is the role uh, and involvement of the insurance companies in uh, this fiasco okay let's let's go for that CL because when we look at insurance I think all of us feel blessed when we're able to go to the doctor and we do have insurance and we're able to walk in and, and have that cost reduced now if you look at this the insurance companies also share a stake in wanting to reduce the drug prices in terms of what is out of pocket. Many of the companies have actually lined up with the American consumer to their credit and gone in and said, look, let's get truth and transparency about how much these drugs really cost to develop and what the true research that has gone into the drugs that have allowed the drug companies to set a price, what is it that's behind that? Now, the idea behind this would be that insurance companies would like to, I hope, and it is my hope and my true wish, that they want to see the translation of these savings in pocket to their beneficiaries. 
Now, again, it is a very, very dicey discussion that's occurring because in this case, you have the lobbying of the insurance companies, which are in here saying, give us the true cost. What is the lowest cost up against a group of people receiving pharmacy benefit rebates from the pharmaceutical companies? So the battlefield, as you can see, is laid out very precisely. What I think we can do, again, is not only lobby through our voices as citizens, our legislators, but call your benefit managers and talk to them, whether it's at your company and pass the word up or call if it's Blue Shield, Blue Cross, whatever it may be, and say, look, what are you doing today to ensure that the medicines that I am paying for are the lowest price? Put that pressure there and ask them to be responded to you. They have a big microphone. Uh, the main thing also to realize is that another issue that hasn't been brought up, in my opinion, is that from a clinical trial standpoint, how these drugs get developed and taken to market. We need to also make sure that the voice of Big Pharma is balanced by the voice of true research, that we may receive the safest drugs performing as promised, not the drugs which have been contracted for simply because they provide the largest rebate. Now, Dr. David, let me follow up with this. Um, uh, you're saying then, and folks, I want you to, to, to understand something uh, when, when he, he gives his answer to this question. It, are, is it possible then that the insurance companies can actually become the patient ally if, in fact, the patient uh, asks the right question and does stimulate uh, action by their uh, insurance companies? Is, is that what you're saying? Uh, clarify for us. Precisely what I'm saying, which is your voice. Again, what I love about your show, CL, is simply that you put the burden on the individual citizen to get out and have their voice heard. And when you are insured by a plan, being able to call the plan administrator and say, look, I want my voice to be heard around this issue. I want transparency. I want to know the drugs that are being prescribed in this formulary are the ones that are the lowest cost. You are doing an act of service, not just for yourself, your family, but for your community, because people listen. We are the consumer. We have a voice in this matter. Uh, folks, I, I'm running out of time here with these two doctors, and uh, I want to uh, get to this before uh, I have to say goodbye to them. And, gentlemen, both of you, I want you to know that uh, you always have a voice here, and uh, I'm, uh, I want to thank uh, publicly, personally, uh, our friend, uh, Dr. Carla Dean Graves, for uh, introducing us and bringing us together. She's sort of the mother hen who uh, keeps us all uh, in, in, in line and keeps us together as far as approaching this topic, and uh, I want to applaud her uh, in her efforts uh, and, of course, uh, dealing with our personalities as well. Uh, all of us are uh, on this call today are unashamedly, unabashed uh, believers of Jesus Christ. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. And uh, this is a question that I ask uh, many of my guests uh, that are on, unless I'm, I'm quite sure who they actually are and who they represent. 
present. But I, I want to ask this question of you. I'm going to go to you, uh, Dr. Uh, Joel Strom. When it's all said and done, you've hung up uh, uh, the, the, the tools of your trade, the, the stethoscopes, and, and uh, you're, you're rocking there on the porch with your wife and family and all around you. Uh, give us uh, legacy. What is it that you want to leave behind? What is it that you would like to be remembered for uh, as we journey now and as we battle together, we stand shoulder to shoulder as warriors in this country to preserve our republic? Uh, what is it then, when that is all said and done, would uh, you want the American people, the world, to have said about Joel Strom? Your question is so timely. I, I just heard yesterday a friend called and said, told me his mom had passed away, and she was a patient. And he told me that she asked that I speak at her funeral. And I sat there thinking, and it's happened twice now, and I, 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 sometimes we, we, we take for granted the relationship we have with our healthcare professionals and people in general. And it really took me, uh, it just stopped me a little bit to think that this woman who I didn't know all that well, really, from many, many of the standards we measure that by in society today, because I didn't see her all the time, but um, she remembered, she wanted me to speak at her funeral. And that, that was quite, for me, that was quite an honor. And it, it stopped me in my tracks. And we talked about how, what do we remember? What do we remember for? What's our legacy? And exactly the same conversation. And I told him, for me, it, was, it had to be internal. It has to be something that you feel about yourself. That's the most important thing in my mind, that you feel good about what you've done in, in life. And what they might say about you later is, is, is far secondary to that. So this, internally for me, I want the world to remember that I was a wonderful father, a wonderful, loving father who, uh, who helped, uh, helped build a, another human being who is out there doing, doing things that are good and solid and, and, and helpful for people. And I think that's the number one thing that I was, I was a very – a good father. And in terms of dentistry and, and, and medicine, um, I want to know that I treated my patients with the respect and the, per, the personal service they deserved. And lastly, with regard to the country or, or the greater the greater America outside there, that I got in the fight, that I was part of the fight, part of the discussion. I didn't sit on the sidelines. And I hope that people, I, I feel pretty good about the fact that I've been able to motivate others to do that. Dr. David Scratchley, when it's all said and done, what would you like for the world to have said yes, about you? Thank you. The question is absolutely beautiful. First, let me say I am here through the kindness of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the intervention of the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for my delivery. And as I look forward, I try to meditate each day. I try to ask God, what is my destiny? What is it that you call me to do? Let it be the laws of reaping and sowing. I hope that at the end of the day, in that final hour, that despite my ups, my downs, people look and see that I gave. I gave with passion. I gave with passion that was driven by my love of the Lord, and that those around me profited from that. And I thank you from the depths of my heart for the opportunity to speak to you today. CL. Bless you both, doctors. Uh, God bless you that was both. Beautiful, David. Thank and, you. And I certainly trust thank that you, we, and I certainly trust that all of us, uh, when it's all said and done, will hear our Lord say to us, Well done. 
my good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over the few things that I have placed in your hands. Now enter in to your master's joy. Listen, God bless you. Thank you so much for being on with me. Continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because both of you are and you are gathering other disciples. Go ye and make disciples. Make others who will fight this fight with us. And I assure you that as long as I have a voice on uh, the airwaves, you too will have one as well. So we pray for one another and the work that we do. And uh, I will have my producer to get in touch with you uh, to reschedule another time when others like you can be on the show. But gentlemen, again, thank you so much for being on with me and God bless and keep you until we talk or meet again. Thank you. And thank you very much. Thank you, too. Thank you. And thank you. I'm thank CL. You and thank you, CL. God bless. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. Those were my special guests on with me here today. Two doctors. And, you know, all of you know, doctors are rock stars among us. They really are. And they deserve uh, that status because God has blessed them with the ability to heal and, uh, you know, and, and to practice medicine uh, to that helps us. Uh, there is a human uh, condition, though, that cause uh, things sometimes to get out of hand. And I'm certainly grateful that doctors like these have taken upon the mantle to fight the fight, the good fight of making certain that we are not taken advantage of. It would be very easy for them to remain silent and it would be much safer actually for them to remain silent and just let things rock along and let you and I be soaked by those who are indeed taking advantage of us and making absolutely billions of dollars off of the maladies that have and do affect mankind, especially here. My special concern is in America. And you know, all of you, I say this often. I'm a nationalist. I'm not a black nationalist. I'm not a white nationalist. I simply prefer America over any other nation on the face of the planet. And don't any of you be scared to say that you love your country and the people in it. We're a nation of people who were once immigrants, but now we are a nation of Americans. We're going to talk a little bit about that when I return with more of the C.L. Bryant show. You are listening to us coast to coast, border to border and around the globe over our flagship station, Red State talk and you'll hear it in replay over some of the terrestrial stations throughout uh, the nation and I want to thank Loving Liberty for bringing us into their family as well. Be sure to go to freedomworks.org freedomworks.org the largest grassroots organization in the nation become a Weekday afternoons rub shoulders with trusted voices of truth and insight The American Mutso Show with Eric Mutso the Read Hour with Lawrence W. Reed. Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. And Stranger Than Fiction with Ralph DeLugas. Right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network.